Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you are listening to Vodka O'Clock. This is another episode that was recorded live at the 2015 Steampunk World's Fair. What you're about to hear is the lecture by a woman who went by the name of Lex. She was is going to be talking, you're going to hear the Alistair Crowley in Context lecture. Now, this was another case where the public speaker did not want to use any of the audiovisual equipment, in particular a microphone. So she actually did have slides, but uh, it was very hard to hear her. She had a very calm and relaxed voice. So I tried to isolate her voice as much as possible and amplify that. So, you know, of course, these are things that happen when you're recording live events. And I hope that you can still enjoy the podcast. Uh, It's a really interesting subject. You don't have to be very knowledgeable about the occult to uh, really get anything out of this. You just have to go into it knowing that Aleister Crowley was uh, an important ceremonial magician. And he's a very controversial figure. Um, Today's Wiccans and neo-pagans generally uh, disregard his teachings. So um, his followers are very specifically his followers. And I think Lex does a great job of keeping that balance, pointing out uh, what his failings were and what his strengths were. So if you have enjoyed the Steampunk World's Fair coverage here at Vodka O'Clock, please consider going to patreon.com slash Amber Unmasked and you can sponsor the show. Devil dumb, thrust the sword through galling fetter, all devourer, 
altogether, given sign of the open eye, and token erect of thorny thigh, and the word of madness and mystery, O Pan, Yo Pan, Yo Pan Pan, Pad Pan, I am a man, do what thou wilt, as the great god can. The eagle slashes with beak and claw, the gods withdraw. The great beast come, Eo Pan, I am born to death on the horn of the unicorn. O Pan, I am Pan, Eo Pan, Pan, Pan. I am thy mate, I am thy man. Goat of thy flock, I am gold, I am God. Flesh to thy bone, flower to thy rod. With hooves of steel, I race on the rocks through solstice, stubborn to equinox, and I rave, and I rape, and I rip, and I rend. Everlasting, world without end. Mannequin, maiden, mated men, in the might of Pan. Eo Pan, Eo Pan Pan, Pan Pan, Pan, Eo Pan. In 1913, this guy right here wrote that evocation to this god that we all know very well through our upbringing in this modern society as the devil, as Pan, as this idea of bestial humanity. And I wanted to open with this because I thought it was really important because we're here and we're talking about Crowley, the beast 666 who was at one point the wickedest man of the world and kicked out of a variety of European countries with absolutely, like, Mussolini kicked him out of Italy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, he was removed from France at one point, but, like, fucking Mussolini was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This guy, not into it. And kicked him and his entire group out of Italy. Just like, mm, we're not going to do this. So hey, my name is Erie. I'm Lex Soror LVX, whatever the fuck. Hey, I'm here to tell you something about this man who I think is really interesting and important and weird. And let me just tell Gypsy that she can let people in because she wasn't supposed to because I was yelling a poem. But, you know. Just one second, one second. familiar with who this guy is. Yay! Oh, you guys are great, and that makes me happy. So, uh, is anybody here a member of the OTO? I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but can I? <laughs>
excuse of wandering wounds to explain all sorts of things like why I don't feel fulfilled as a person for not doing anything besides raising children or why I have objections to the way that I'm being treated. Sexual repression, where we have a time where table legs are covered because they bring us thoughts of other things and yet we have menus for brothels that women are not privy to, of course. It's kind of a, a really weird double-edged sword between politeness and obscenity. It's very strange at this period of time, especially. Um, periods of childhood. We have, on one hand, the model of children being little adults. We have, on the other hand, the model of children being completely innocent. And, you know, we could... Tomorrow we'll be talking a little bit about that in our Victorian sexuality panel at 11 p.m about, you know, Lewis Carroll and, like, these theories of innocence and, yeah, like, the role of a child, child labor. It's all very convoluted, depending on your class. It's very classist, which Crowley was very classist. I don't know if any of you know anything about his background. He was from the upper class. And he did a very particular theory about people and children, and he himself admitted that he would never have achieved spiritual advancement had he not been able to, you know, just you know, meditate for years and years and years on end. Like, he was just allowed to travel. He was able to experience this lifestyle that didn't really require him to take care of himself. And he, in fact, through his occult advancement and his trying to propagate his occult theory through humanity, ran out of money. Which is kind of funny how that ends up ending up for him. Oh, and you know, then we have germ theory. Anybody know anything about germ theory? How that happens? Of childbirth, washing hands, you know, people stopping dying when you wash your hands in between, you know, touching a corpse and a baby. It's surprising. It's incredible. Like, man. So, while this man was growing up, these are like some of the theories that were, were happening during his lifetime. So, I'm just trying to give you a little bit of context as to what was going on with him as a human being and where he kind of went against the norm and where he went with it because there's definitely a lot of both there. So this guy, this guy was a lot of things. And uh, I personally am coming from a perspective as you know, oh, oh look at that, my PowerPoint was poorly timed. But I'm just trying to give you a comparison as like he was it's a very complicated individual as any of us would be when born in the past. We can't really judge ourselves and judge our own world viewpoints against other people in the past, or else everybody's just awful and we're great. And that's not very fair, I don't think. As an archeologist, it just doesn't seem like the right thing for me to do. But, um, so he's a poet. He wrote the hymn to Pan, he wrote a ton of poetry. He went to Cambridge for poetry. He was very Englishy and very smart and loved the Bible and loved like, epics and biblical shit. He was super into that. He was a mountaineer. He liked to climb things. He liked to, you know, hire Sherpas and climb up mountains or try to, even with kids. And then the kids die. And then he's like, oh, boo-hoo, my kid died. That's this whole thing. Again, travel the world. Teacher, member of the OTO. Well, founder of the OTO as we know it. Member of the AA. Teacher, Buddhist. Also atheist. When he died, he considered himself an atheist. I don't know if y'all know that, but he totally did. Husband, 
He married the Rose, and through him was, uh, or through her, he received the Law, which is a really interesting piece of literature, which hopefully we'll go over at the end. It's kind of weird. I still don't know how I feel about it. It's kind of a weird document. died. He was also an outsider artist, developed a tarot card deck, and thank the gods he relied on another artist to do that, because his art, his art is awful. It is just, it is so bad. I went to New York, and I went to go see his art, like, yay, Crowley art, and this outsider art festival, and it was just, it was sad. And I'm glad I got to see it, but it's like, oh, oh, honey, of course you needed Harris to do this tarot card deck. You're a good magician, it's fine, but still, it's no good. So yeah, he got killed a dude in India. And, uh, and he got, that's one of the first times he had to, he got kicked out of a country, which did happen. He like, some guy tried to mug him, he killed him, and then like, he got chased out of the country, and it was this whole thing. He's very entitled, he was very white. Crowley was very white and British, as you can imagine. There was lots of this going on, like especially in India at the time. Like, everybody, we're all steampunk here, we know about, you know, yeah, so we can, we can visualize this. He was an adulterer. I don't really, I don't. Male and British and upper class. Male, Bri yeah, male British upper class adulterer. Like he was, you know, and he had lots of sex and he also liked to, he liked to make women his mediums and he did this mainly through like prolonged sexual experience and alcohol. <laughs> and that's cool, like, I mean, it's, you know, as long as it's consensual, it's fine, but I'm just saying, like, that's just kind of, like, what happened with him. He was kind of a hustler, he definitely took some money from people after he became broke in 1914, after going through his fortune, publishing a bunch of stuff, and living off of a lot of money, and going on a lot of exciting expeditions, you know. He's He was not a very good spender of money. He was an awful spender of money. <sighs> Probably. So bad. Um, he was a really bad friend. Does anybody know anything about his friendships? Anything at all? Oh, God. He basically, like, turned around and bit the face of anybody that he ever loved. Especially um, through the Golden Dawn. Golden Dawn, anybody? McGregor Mathers? Math like all of that like it's like oh yeah oh the gods told me that i'm in fact the owner of the new order bt dubs <laughs> <laughs> his revelation in 1904 was pretty much that it was pretty funny so the secret chiefs called me and they said that you guys weren't any more relevant just saying secret chiefs i'm sorry Kind of an awful person and kind of a wonderful person and did a lot of like he was very complicated like all of us we all do awesome stuff and we all do shitty stuff to people that we know and people that we care about throughout our lives um, he was enemy of multiple countries like i said got kicked out of italy kicked out of france at one point like the english thought he was the worst guy in the world we're not into him we're not into what he was doing we're not into the golden dawn any of the hermetic stuff which is unfortunate but there was kind of a kickback at that point against the reemergence of spiritualism and secret societies. So it, it makes sense. 
And it's not like he was great at being Victorian at the time. I mean, he was really, he definitely believed in not veiling his vices and virtuous words. He had no virtuous words for the things that he did. And I mean, I think that's great, personally. I don't know about y'all, but why wouldn't you be happy to stand up for the shit that you believe in? All the things that you do, why not? Um, oh yeah, he was classist. Like, we're already already discussed. And a misogynist. And uh, went back and forth on that at different times in his life. At one point he was uh, very devoted to the love of Nu, which is the goddess in his uh, whole theory of the world and the universe. But at the same time, wasn't very respectful to the women that he saw, and saw women as inferior to men in a lot of cases. But at the same time, would also take women students and didn't restrict women from occult learning, which is great and definitely a throwback to the Golden Dawn where he found a lot of people. He was all these things. But he was definitely above all. These are a few important dates on his timeline. There's a lot more depending on what you're looking at, but I felt like it was best to condense it to things that I thought you guys would be most interested in. So, as stated, Libra, 1875, born to very religious parents, studies the Bible a lot. His father dies. At this point in his life, he reports through his own biographies that like his life started to shift a little bit. He started to rebel against his family upbringing. Um, he doesn't have a lot to say about his mother. Rigardi really hones in on this. And I really like uh, Israel Rigardi, who was one of his secretaries' interpretation of him because he is a you know, psychoanalytic shrink, and he was also a magician. And he also knew him, and he also got completely fucked over by Crowley. Crowley said some of the worst things about him and sent them to everybody. He published them openly and sent them to all of Regardi's friends and like, this guy masturbates and it's weird and he is into all these weird things and he's awful. And Regardi owns this and is like, yes, this is true, but uh, this guy. And so I really appreciate his interpretation of Crowley as an experienced individual. Um, as those of you who understand about the Golden Dawn, this is one of the major influences in Crowley's occult life, which is how we know him as of this point in time. If he wasn't an occultist, nobody would know who he was. We wouldn't have any idea of the matter. But, uh, from his joining the Golden Dawn, he started on an occult journey that brought him to own the OTO, begin the AA, and really propagate the philosophy of the Lima up until his death. I think it's personal. Crowley meets, marries this lady. She's a little weird. It's a little bit of a weird situation. She's about to be married to somebody for no reason. He's like, well, I'll marry you and it's fine. And then they go to Cario, and then she's like, they're waiting for you. And then over a succession of three days in 1904, he's delivered this book of the law, as he calls it, through three separate entities and then ignores it and goes on with his atheist Buddhist life. 
and doesn't readdress it until about 1909, where he does a bunch of his best work up until 1914, publishes a bunch of Equinox editions, and then he's broke. And then things start to get really weird for him. He starts to kind of start hustling people, taking on students, taking their money, starting abbeys such as the Abbey of the Lima in 1919. But you know, he does some wonderful stuff, at least in my opinion. Is anybody familiar with the Toth Tarot deck? Do you guys like like what he's done with that? Like compared to the Rider Waite? Do you feel like there's a difference? Do you feel like using it there's a difference? Yes. yes. Especially appreciate Cared about him. And he just wasn't a very nice person. But 
are completely worth, they're definitely worth looking at if you're just even interested in magic at all or interested in the idea of magic or the idea of the universe or anything. Just, just check it out and touch it and feel it. I think it's, oh, that sounds so, I'm sorry, that sounds really gooey. I, I don't mean it that way. It's just, it's weird. All right. Charlie's deck had it wrong, and they had the lust card in the wrong place because they didn't read the text. And therefore, it's very difficult to understand. But, all right. Kabbalah. Judaism. Three intact vessels, seven broken vessels. There's an abyss. There's an above the abyss. There's a below the abyss. Crowley redefines the way that the paths are structured. And it really makes a lot more sense that way and helps your mind get a lot get around the fact that there is no duality above the abyss and there's duality below it. And it's it's so hard to just do this in like a class. Anyway. also contributed 777 in 1909. And if you are into the Kabbalah and into Jewish mysticism, I recommend checking that out. Though at the same time, I recommend actually checking out um, Gertrude Schlohim's analysis in the Kabbalah from an actual historic medieval standpoint, because they miss a lot of the stuff that the Gnostics did. And well, the Gnostics thought that they did, which they didn't. It's uh, a little complicated. Um, Crowley did not know Hebrew. Crowley knew Arabic, he knew a lot of things, but um, I think that he may have glossed over a little bit of the Hebrew mysticism and tried really hard to work it into his own. He tried really hard with Gematria. He worked with the Gematria until it gave him the exact result that he wanted, which is why he focuses a lot on the Greek and the Hebrew. So like, he, um, he tried really hard. He also made the stipulation that the soul got transferred at six months in the womb, and no, no less, because he wanted to be Levee, and he wanted to be the incarnation of him. He also wanted to be the incarnation of Kelly from, you know, like the the famous angelic scryings. Like he tried really hard to make himself the coolest guy that he could from any point in time. He really he worked at it. He worked at it really hard, and he was like, no, I was really this great guy at every point in history. Like, it was kind of painful to look at when you really, like, take it and look at it. It's like, oh, honey, like, I know. I know you wanted to be great all the time. You wanted to be the incarnation of anybody that was awesome, but you just, you can't make up rules based around this just because you want it. And he really did a lot of the time. It was kind of um, stressful for other occultists, I think, especially occultists to follow him that he learned from. excuse me because like I just uh, I just got back from Venice on Wednesday and I was doing this while I was while I was away so I am missing a slide about the book of the law does anybody know about the book of the law can we talk about it yeah can we talk about it <laughs> 
Let's talk about it. Come on, come up here. You're good at this. Do we have a copy? Do you have a copy of it? Um, I can pull it up on my computer. I was planning on it. Great. But let's, cool. talk, let's talk about the Book of the Law. Okay. Let's talk about 
kind of like wonderfully directly responsible for all neo-paganism at this point as we know it. Because as an archaeologist, I can assure you that what we think of as pagans today are nothing like pagans of the past. I promise. I can give you my word. Just say it. Not to be a jerk. Anyway, um, I hope that I was able to give you a little bit of perspective on this guy and what he did, and that you feel like maybe you know a little bit more about this guy and what he did. And I would love it if you had questions about this guy and what he did, and if you wanted to ask me about it, because I'm going to be around all weekend talking about this guy and what he did, and also giving tarot readings with his deck because I'm practicing, so if anybody wants a free reading, I'm around. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. What you just heard was Lex talking about Alistair Crowley at the Steampunk World's Fair, 2015 World's Fair, of course. And they already have the dates set up for next year's World's Fair. It's May 13th through the 15th in Piscataway, New Jersey at the Embassy Suites and Radisson Hotels once again. And if you have enjoyed this type of coverage and you want to make sure that I can get to conventions and keep the website running and actually just live and you know like do things like um put gas in my car and feed myself then um please head on over to patreon.com slash amber unmasked and you can sponsor the the website and the show you can do it for as little as a dollar a week it's really simple and um if you have any questions i have sort of a a fact page up on amber unmasked and um, you can find me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber, so I can answer your questions there as well. Cheers. Cheers.